You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. Good good morning. Good to be with you. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, I'm a dad too, so yeah, thank you. Um, This morning we're going to get into God's Word. Uh, The title of the message today is called Embracing a Biblical Vision uh, for Fatherhood. This is going to be a two-part series uh, that I'll launch today and then finish up t- uh, next, next Sunday. So um, how many of you would say that uh, you think it's very important to understand the difference between good and evil? Raise your hand. Okay. How do you know what is good and how do you know what is evil? Just think about it for a second. Somebody says the Bible. There you go. Um, yeah, you, you've got to know what is good and what is evil evil, it's important to be able to see what is right in life so that you can see something that's wrong. Sometimes, though, you learn through seeing negative examples, right? And you see negative examples in life, and you're like, okay, I'm going to learn from that. Those of you maybe that didn't have the greatest dad, maybe you're like, I'm not going to be like that guy. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do it different. Uh, today, the message title is Embracing a Biblical Vision for Fatherhood, part one of two. The title for today's message is Don't Be That Guy. Um, what I want to do is, is, is to be able to give you a basic theological background and then also kind of a cultural reproval for some of the things that are going on in society right now. We live in a society right now where evil is good and evil could be celebrated, and good is evil. Um, Specifically, I'll speak about, I don't know if you saw the Dodgers thing, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they're mocking Jesus Christ. Um, And uh, thankfully, the Catholics and the Protestants protested uh, at Dodgers Stadium, held everybody back, out of respect, that that is sheer mockery. Um, It's been said that uh, people that are mocking uh, Jesus Christ in the cross should be celebrated for their heroism, for their courage, and we've lost sight. Um, It's a delusional uh, culture, and if you are a Christian, it is increasingly difficult to practice your faith, even if you're trying to do it privately, um, your faith convictions are now deeply offensive to everybody else. And so today what I want to do is I, I want to be able to jump into Genesis, and we're going to look at the formation of a father, the focus of a father, the failure of a father, and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at some really bad examples of dad so that you can go, I don't want to be that guy. And then next week, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give a strong biblical vision of what does the Bible say, the greatness, the goodness, the role, the responsibilities of a father, and how can I live that out in my life? And truth be known, I preached through this in the first service, there's parts of those dads that I absolutely identify. Because how many of us can say as a father, right, we have some bad dad days. Raise your hand. Just a bad dad day. You woke up and you're like, I don't feel like being a dad today. Definitely not a good one. Um, and for moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's just really burdensome and you're just not on your A game. 
Let's jump into Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28. See the formation of a father. If you've got a Bible, open it up there. Um, It's the first book in the Bible. It's a historical account of how things came to be. This is the formation of the first father. This is Adam. This is how God made him. It's a historical account. It's not Hebrew poetry. This is a a historical record of how everything came to be. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then it says, "And, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Let me pause for a moment. That's the formation of the father, first father. God creates a man by the name of Adam. He creates a woman by the name of Eve. It says that God created mankind. Help me out, male and what? Female. And in today's society, there's, a, there's, not a, there's a, a, a disfigurement of fatherhood. Um, in today's society, uh, there are females that are pretending to be fathers and they have no business doing that. Um, The formation of a father is a really sacred calling. It's when a man is called up to this holy institution called marriage, and once that marriage is consummated, the outcome is to procreate and to fill the earth with a godly heritage. Amen? Probably one of the greatest things you could do to make disciples is to, if you're able to, to have children, make babies, disciple them, father them, mother them as a mother, and love them and lead them to the Lord. The formation of the father is right there. Now, of course, God has callings on some folks to be single and celibate for their life. Uh, uh, There's other opportunities where you can foster or adopt. We adopted a little kiddo. We have two biological kids. We adopted one, um, which we celebrated her birthday yesterday. It was so fun. At Lake Day, yeah, we can celebrate that. We had a bunch of baptisms too. (laughs) Baptized a bunch of guys. It was incredible at Lake Day. Um, So cool. There's baptisms after today's services too. So that's a mark of a good church, side note. If if they're doing baptisms, that means people's lives are being impacted by Jesus Christ and they're going public with their faith. Formation of the fathers right here, Genesis. Gender identity questions, concerns, confusion, go to Genesis. That's the formation of male, female, father, mother, Genesis. What's the focus? Look at verse 28 just for a second. Verse 28 in your Bible says that God blessed him. He blessed their marriage, and he said, go. This is the first command. You better be fruitful and help me out. Multiply. That means make babies. That means there was, there was a husband and a wife, and all of a sudden you come back years later, and there's two or three more running around. And you're like, whoa, you guys multiplied. And the tribes, uh, Lord willing, gets bigger and bigger over time. Be fruitful and multiply. That's the focus. The focus should be for the father is to raise kids, to father with the father heart of God. That's what I'll talk about next week, fathering with the father heart of God. Um, But there's the failure of the father that I want to point out. The first father, Adam, he did not obey. Genesis chapter 3 is the record of the fall of mankind. Um, And according to the apostle Paul, he says it like this, sin entered the world through one man, and that man's name was, help me out, Adam. 
And then it says that sin, according to Romans 5, is that sin spread to all men. And then everybody is separated, um, spiritually dead, uh, unresponsive unless God's grace intervenes. The failure of the father starts right here in our case study in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Adam disobeys God, doesn't do what God the father had commanded, and here's the result. Verse 17, if you'll read in your Bibles of chapter 3. And to Adam, he said, here's what's going to happen. Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In the pain that you shall eat of it all of the days, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And in Arizona, we're very familiar with thorns and thistles. If it doesn't stick you, poke you, bite you, sting you, you're not in Arizona. Um, so here we are, Adam's failure. He failed. What did he do? He was passive. He got the command when... Um, God had spoken to Adam and to Eve, and Adam passively stood by and did nothing when Eve said, hey, maybe we should just enjoy this and disobey. He did nothing. That is the curse of man. That is the curse of every man in this room is a tendency to be passive, to do something when we should, but we don't. And furthermore, the curse of the woman in all of mankind is to kind of like, can oftentimes be to try to override the man. You just look in Genesis. These are age-long challenges and curses. And so there's a struggle uh, all throughout the Scripture. There's this struggle. There is a formation. There is the focus. And then there's the failure of the Father. If you turned over to Genesis chapter 4, what are you going to find? It says that Adam and Eve made some babies, Cain and Abel, Cain rises up and kills Abel. Dad, what happened? Literally, your son killed your other son. That's the first family. So what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about um, the importance of understanding that you do not want to be that guy. Um, you, you've heard that phrase said before, like, don't be that guy. You see him do something really stupid at a stadium, or you see him do something out in the outdoors, or whatever be the case, or wrecking the family and the relationships, and you go back and visit, and you're like, don't want to be like that guy. Um, that's what we're going to learn today from is, is negative examples. And so why learn about 12 bad dads? Um, I'll tell you, number one, this isn't in your notes, but if you want to um, just think about it, write it down, I'd do so. I think, number one, apart from God's grace, you are a bad dad. And I think you need to know that. Apart from God's grace in your life, every single one of us dads are not going to be a good dad. We, we need God's grace. It's through the Holy Spirit that helps us. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit like the restrainer, holding back evil. Um, it's, the Holy Spirit helps us. Apart from the grace of God, we would not be good fathers. Apart from God's word, we won't be good dads. Apart from godly counsel, we won't be good dads. So number one, I'd say apart from God's grace, you are a bad dad, so you need to look and learn, be reminded of God's grace and your dependence on it. Number two, I'd say I think we can learn from negative examples. I think we can learn from positive examples, and I point positive 90% of the time. All the t but, but there is a time for you to be awakened to start thinking 
what is right and what is wrong, what is good and help me out, and what? Evil. And where we're at in society is we're delusional. We're literally calling things that are good evil, and we're calling things that are evil, and we're saying that's good. And so if the church doesn't wake up and go, wait a second, that's wrong, then you're going to drift. And so today what I'm doing is, is uh, helping you see some uh, negative examples. I'll give you 12 bad dads, and you'll be saying in each one of those, I don't want to be that guy. Number three, I'd say the reason why I think you need to listen to this message is if you want to change, you've got to just accept the problem that you want to get better, so it's going to have to start with you. If you want change and to be a better father, you need to acknowledge something's worth changing. Something's not right. So if you want to grow, you've got to acknowledge, I need to change so that it can get better. Number four, I would say I think it's healthy to be honest, that you can look at your life and say, yep, I've got some bad day, days as a dad. I'm not doing a great job. I've got to grow here. No parent is perfect. The Bible tells us that. Sin infected, affected everything and everyone. And number five, I think you should listen to this message because you've got to understand what's at stake here. The foundation of our country is the family. Good families equal good communities. Strong families, there's a husband and there's a wife. There's a dad who's engaged, who loves his kids, leads his kids. That's how you build strong families. You get dads and moms loving each other, and they're building a godly heritage. The Bible says in Psalms that children are literally, they're like arrows in the quiver of a warrior. They're to be launched out into society. Like you have a privilege. You get to shape the soul of an individual. This, every person on the planet has a soul, and it lasts forever. And as a dad, as a mom, you get the privilege, like you can shape the soul of this child for eternity. So what's at stake here is the foundation of the building blocks of all of society is this family. It's a mother, it's a father. So some rules for engagement before we jump in. Number one, I'd say men don't miss God's grace. When you start feeling really guilty with what I'm about to walk through, don't miss the grace of God. I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. I screw up. I identify with two to three of these bad dads. There's areas in my life that have to change and continually change if I'm going to call myself a Christian under the power of the Holy Spirit with the theological category embracing called sanctification that I grow in holiness over time. Um, I've got to realize that uh, I can't miss grace. And so don't miss God's grace in there. Um, men, next week, um, I'm going to be teaching on the Father heart of God and God's calling for your life as a father. And I'm going to lay out very clear and simple biblical vision for fatherhood more clearly about what you're to do. Uh, next week will be, be this guy. This week is, don't be that guy. So you can understand, this is good, this is evil. I want to do good. Amen? Okay. And then um, last, I would say, ladies, um, don't be the Holy Spirit today. Um, don't nudge the elbow of your husband when I'm mentioning the different bad dads. Don't be like, that's you. That's you. Oh, your kids are going to tell you too. Um, 
don't be the Holy Spirit. Um, but I would say this, ladies, bribe your husband, do whatever it takes to get him back to church next week. Um, and get into a community group. And here's why. Because men gather strength from other men. Men will gather strength from other men. They'll get stronger. Watch. And then they gather strength from God. And God's ordained it where that husband is to be the provider, the protector, the pastor of the home, and he's to provide strength and encouragement not only for his wife, but for his kids. So women, remember, don't be the Holy Spirit, but you can bribe them to get back to church. Number one, don't be that guy, 12 bad dads, the deserter. If you're in the military and uh, you leave your platoon, you leave your team, uh, you leave your troops, you're guilty of desertion. That's basically a traitor. You can be shot on sight. In fatherhood, men that leave their kids and men that leave their families, they're deserters. They're abandoning their God-given call the high king of heaven, the chief commander. He said, this is your job. I'm going to walk through that next week, that job very, very clearly. It, maybe you're the dad, though, that your dad abandoned you. Maybe you're the dad that went through a divorce and you've got kids and you're not paying child support. Pay child support. You should write those cards. Tell those kids you love them. Whatever happened in the marriage, I don't know. And there's absolutely biblical allowances for divorce. But the deserters are the guys that are leaving, they're getting divorced, or they're just deserting for no good uh, or for some reason or another, and the relationships are severed. It's very, very painful. The Bible says that if we don't provide for our relatives and our family, that we're worse than unbelievers. The Apostle Paul dealt with the deserters. Number one, the deserter. Help me out. Don't be that what? Don't be that guy. If that was your dad, you don't be that guy. If that's the temptation of your heart, don't be that guy. If that's what you did, there's grace, there's repentance, there's reconciliation. Go fix it. You guys like to fix things, fix that probably the most important thing you could fix. To the best of your ability, do that. Number two, the drifter. The drifters are all throughout our society, and men, you've got to raise up your kids with a clearer vision. This generation is lost because they're being programmed by social media indoctrination. The drifter is the dad who lacks a vision. He lacks a sense of purpose. He really has no clear vision or values. He moves from job to job, and he struggles with passivity, the curse from the beginning. He fails to provide the guidance and stability for his children in marriage. He doesn't know how to take initiative. He's drifting. He drifts in and then drifts out. He drifts in and he drifts out. The Bible has names for people like that. In the book of James, it says this. It says, man, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's like a wave. He tosses to and fro. Don't be that double-minded guy. Don't be that drifter who's one minute you're in the family and building the family and the marriage, and the next you're out. 
Physically, you, you leave. Physically, you come back. Emotionally, you leave. Emotionally, you come back. Help me out. Don't be that. Don't be that guy. Number three, the dictator. This is a bad dad who exercises way too much control. He dominates. His personality suppresses the individuality of each and every family member. Um, the dictator is the misconception of what Christians call headship. Um, right now, the cultural critique against Christianity is Christianity portrays that men are to be the leaders of the household and they're like dictators. They boss everybody around. I couldn't be further from the truth. Next week, I'm going to walk through the biblical vision of a father is sacrificial, is loving, is tender, but incredibly tough. Uh, the dictator is the critique against uh, Christianity today. Uh, we call Christian headship. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about biblical huge categories called headship and submission. If you haven't heard those uh, terms before, they're in the Bible, and it helps clarify roles. The dictator abuses his role for power. And any woman that suffered underneath a dictator dad or any kid that suffered under a dictator dad, it's abusive. It could be abusive emotionally, physically, verbally. The dictator dads are at times dangerous, and they need intervention. They need somebody to intervene if they don't check themselves out. These kind of men um, will end up destroying their marriage, their family, their relationships, and nobody should ever suffer under the tyranny of any kind of troubled man who's living like that or acting like that. Number four is the distant dad. Now, my guess is most of you um, would not uh, connect perhaps with the dictator. Maybe you struggle with anger a little bit and you have outbursts, but maybe some of you did. Um, but the distant dad, I bet more of you can connect here. Um, the distant dad, this dad is withdrawn. He's, maybe he's gone through a lot of hardship, maybe a lot of trauma in his life. Um, detached from his kids emotionally for one reason or another. Dad's unable to nurture the bond that's necessary for kids. Um, there was a lie for a very long time that men should just be the provider and they should provide the financial needs and then the rest is the wife's job, the mother's job. Um, Jesus engages. He's the opposite of distant with kids. He says, let the children come unto me. Jesus nurtures um, maybe you grew up with a distant dad. He was just not there a lot. Maybe he was home, but he really wasn't home. You know what I mean? Like physically present, but em emotionally checked out. Um, the distant dad needs to engage. And if the distant dad continues for too long, it'll really hurt the family. Number five, Here's one that I've struggled with over the years. It's called the driven dad. There's nothing wrong with being driven. But when you're driven so much at the expense of what matters most in your life, there's a serious problem. Jesus said uh, you can't serve money and uh, your master all at once. You can't serve the Lord and serve money. Some people get so driven with trying to create the financial security that they lose touch 
with the family that they love so much. And they didn't do it on purpose. They just did it on accident. Um, driven people, um, and I'm a very driven person, they have high ambitions and expectations, and they're trying to measure up to some standard or another. But they can prioritize inappropriately uh, success over the sake of their own family. Oftentimes, kids that are needing emotional and spiritual guidance to grow into a young boy or a young girl or turning into and growing into a young man or a woman will look to their dad to provide that direction. And God has called the father to do that. And what can happen is if you're overly driven at times is you don't have any more energy because <laughs> you only have so much energy in life, right? Like you're spent, you get spent, you get tired, you get exhausted. Men, the, the word is for you is like, stay driven, but be driven in the right areas. Keep your balance, keep focus on, on and on tr truth be known is sometimes when I'm doing a really incredible job at the church and doing accelerating everything, I'm not doing as great a job at the home. And then when I'm doing really good at the home and engaged, I feel like, man, I'm neglecting everything over here at the church. And it's a balancing act and it's a struggle. But the driven dad, this is what kids will say when their dad's way too driven. Hey, mom, when will we get to see dad? Dad's never home. How come dad cares more about work than he does us? You ever heard that before? Does dad like being home, mom? Does dad really care? Why ask that? Can I go to work with dad maybe today? Why can't dad ever let go? When will we get time with him? I grew up, my dad's very driven. Um, he's very successful. He's a Christian psychiatrist, wonderful man. I love him. But there's a cost. If you want to be the best at whatever you do, is there not a cost? Amen? You got to pay to play. In life, it's the very same way. And when you get driven and you get focused, you better be very, very careful. What are your priorities? That's why you need other men to step into your life, to be that voice of reason and encourage, exhort. Because men will oftentimes listen to other men because they, they value respect. They value others doing that. And ladies, you too have a voice and a role, however, that this has got to be an issue, this drivenness. This isn't an evil thing, but it can turn evil. Where a man can sacrifice, in a sense, his whole family on the altar of success. This driven dad, if he's not careful and available, um, his daughter won't ask anymore. His kid won't care. His kids will choose this over him any day. His kids will go somewhere else to find the direction, the protection that they need. Don't be, help me out, don't be that guy. Number six, I would say, is this. It's the dismissive dad. Uh, this is a dad that will invalidate or dismiss his kids' needs. Dad, can you help me with this? Oh, go ask your mom. Dad, I'm struggling at school. Let me see your grades. Go back in there and work harder at it. 
There's nothing wrong with working hard at getting great grades. We push our kids. They've been in the public school system, by the way, from the very beginning. And they've learned a ton, and we're very grateful for many other things. We've pushed our kids and uh, challenge them. We're getting, they're going to GCU. We're, they're on the Rice Family Scholarship Program, and you better believe there's all sorts of requirements on that program. And so um, if you see them running around a little rugged and tired in the next few years, that's because we got them on a tight program. And... Uh, but if my kids come in and they tell me about hardships and I dismiss it and don't give the time that's necessary to process, then I'll lose their heart. And they'll go f- give their heart to something else. The Bible says um, that the heart is the wellspring of life, and the heart is always looking for something to give itself to. The heart will give itself to a person, the heart will give itself to a passion, a desire, or whatever. And the most important thing is, as a dad, is realizing like your fatherhood role is you're helping nurture that soul, that heart for good, for the glory of God. And if you're not careful, they'll just go find that desire and that need somewhere else. Don't be the dismissive dad. Number seven, the doormat dad. This is the guy that's the pushover. This is the guy that's hyper-passive. This is the dad that literally the kids are acting like crack babies, I'm sorry, and he's doing nothing. He's literally sitting there in the waiting room, and the kids are going absolutely bonkers, and then the kids start yelling at him, and he's like, okay, whatever you need. It's like somebody slapped that guy, like, give me a break. Um, and then the mom comes in, and then what does she do? She regulates. Regulators, mount up. What is going on? It's a doormat dad. That's exactly what's going on. The dad has no boundaries. The dad's easily manipulated. The dad doesn't give proper vision, guidance, values. He's pleasing his kids because he doesn't want to hear them whine the doormat dad. And then there's another dad that's not a good guy, and that's the deadbeat dad. Some of you guys maybe had a deadbeat dad. Deadbeat dad literally doesn't care for the financial needs of his family. He just would rather do whatever he wants to do because he just doesn't care. So the deadbeat dad won't take care of his family's financial needs. He won't work as hard as he could to provide for his needs, and then he puts extra burden and pressure on his wife, or he puts pressure and burden on his family. And what happens with the deadbeat dad is he slips into usually a deep depression, right? Because there's nothing fulfilling about being a deadbeat. And literally, he has losing all hope, losing all uh, joy, and struggles tremendously. The Bible doesn't say that the um, it's wrong for the wife to make necessarily more money uh, than the husband. And there are seasons and times where maybe your wife, men, is making more money than you are. Well, praise God. Um, however, if your wife is having babies and she's saying, I need to spend more time with these kids, and you're like, no, mm-mm you need to go get another job because I'm busy. I've got some other things I'm doing. She's like, wait a second, you're working like 30 hours a week. What should you do? 
What you should do is go get two to three jobs and work 50, 60, 70 hours a week and provide for your family and say to your wife, sweetie, whatever you need. I want to care for you. I want to care for the kids. A deadbeat dad won't do that. A deadbeat dad's going to mooch off of somebody else. If you're that guy, you need to change. The Bible says that if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. That's the car, cold, hard truth. Why am I telling you that? Because you've got to remember what is good and what is evil. What's right, what's wrong. And so whatever you see in yourself, some of these things be like, that's good, that's bad. I choose good. Amen? Okay, number nine, the distracted dad. This dad is easily preoccupied. He falls into all sorts of uh, uh, lack of attention to his kids. He's absorbed with work. Maybe you've got a hard job and you're super distracted. Maybe you've got awesome hobbies and they take you away all the time or personal interests. And the distracted dad won't give the necessary time to the kids because he's distracted. So what happens with the distracted dad is he like, maybe he's in a lot of pain, maybe he's struggling. So he's literally almost numbing himself or seeking to find some other distraction to get his attention off of the stress and the pressure. So he's doing something, but as a result is he's just checked out. So when children have a distracted dad, they'll say things like this. Just close your eyes, dad, if that's you. And, and, and let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard your kids say this? Dad, you listening to me? Dad, hello, do you hear me? Did you hear what I said? If the kids feel like dad is distracted all the time, here's the truth, right? They'll go get attention somewhere else. Amen? They're going to get attention, but they're going to get it from somebody else. And dads, you're the one who can give them that attention. Um, some of you are, are grandparents. You still have a grandfather role to play. Hey, dad, as a grown man, these are my phone calls to my dad from, some, from time to time. Hey, dad, man, I'm struggling with some of the transitions. We're trying to balance our budget, acquire new land, hire staff, the church is moving forward. There's a lot of craziness going on in the economy. How's, how's your business going? Oh, it's going good. We have our challenges too. What are you doing to navigate through it? What if you said, uh, son, I'm sorry. I'm uh, fly fishing in Wyoming and call me. Uh, here's my voicemail and distracted all the time. And don't get me wrong. He's going to be fly fishing in Wyoming. But he never dismisses me so that we can't have that conversation. He's not the overly distracted dad and he still has a role to play in my life. Number 10 is the dapper dad. This is a little bit more humorous. The dapper dad is just the look good dad. Everything is about image. Everything must look good. The family looks good. The pictures always look good. And don't get me wrong, it's great to have great family photos. Um, it's great to show your stories. But the dapper dad is the guy who's a little overly controlling about the image of the family. The dapper dad's the guy who's literally driving up and saying, this is what you're going to say. This is what you're not going to say. This is what you're going to wear. This is what you're not going to wear. Um, the dapper dad basically pretends the family's perfect. You tell them we're good. You don't tell them anything that's going wrong with our family. You tell them we're good. Tell them that things are working just fine. Everybody on the same page. That's the dapper dad. 
What's he afraid of? He's afraid of failure. He's afraid to not look good. He can't accept and embrace the reality. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The dapper dad's really upset with the idea that his family's a little dysfunctional and needs to get some help. The dapper dad cares a little bit more too much about image than he should. And so the dapper dad will end up, what he'll do is he'll end up putting undue pressure on his kids and raise their anxiety. And in extreme cases, the kids feel like, I'm not good enough for dad. I don't want to keep going. In extreme cases, that's what will happen. It's a culture of perfectionism. And that's an anti-Christian concept. Nobody's perfect. Everybody struggles. Um, Here's what God's Word says. Um, When Samuel was appointing a new king for the nation of Israel, God spoke to him and said this, don't look on the outward appearance, the height, the stature, because I, um, but look and see the man's heart. Uh, I don't judge on the outward appearance, but the Scripture says the Lord looks at the heart. Um, what's on the inside is far more important than the outside, and the dapper dad sometimes gets that confused. Number 11 would be the Disneyland dad. I've been guilty of being a Disneyland dad. This is like, hey, let's have fun. And oftentimes what happens is, I was thinking about this, is the driven dad will be so driven and working so hard that he pendulum swings and he turns into a Disneyland dad. And he's just like, let's have a ton of fun. But the fun can come at the expense of responsibilities. The fun can come at the expense of not taking up the right responsibility and balancing um, work with play. And play becomes the mantra and you're dismissing and not engaging in the important life issues. Hey, we need to have this conversation about what's going on in this child's life. Oh, let's just have fun. One more week, one more day, let's delay. The Disneyland dad, oftentimes I think the Disneyland dad buys their kids whatever they want gives them, uh, feeds them and gives them whatever food that they want, does whatever they want, because oftentimes the Disneyland dad is making up for something that went wrong. I see this a lot of times with dads that are, um, they've been divorced and they get remarried and they're literally trying to atone for something in the past. Does that make sense? It's like, well, of course I'm going to give them whatever they want. I've been, I've been gone. We got to split custody. So you're giving in and doing whatever they want and treating life like Disneyland. Well, guess what? Do you know what the Bible says for a a metaphor for life? The Bible says that life is more like a battlefield, not a playground. If you want to raise your kids right, I think it's probably more appropriate if you're a Christian today to raise them with a battlefield mindset. They work for the chief commander, God, um, that they're going to be, there's going to be all sorts of opposition and challenges. They have a team of people that are, they're soldiers for the Lord, but life is not some just playground. And sure, there can be leisure for the soldiers, but the vision can be for the Disneyland dad that life is just one big playground. What's even more damaging than that is the last one is called the, the destructive dad. Um, A destructive dad uh, can cause great or irreparable harm or damage to his children. This father's destructive behaviors may be intentional. It might be 
intentional. Um, some dads will destroy their lives with drugs, alcohol. Uh, they'll give in to addictions of pornography, pills, uh, whatever be the case. And literally, what are they doing? They're destroying their lives. Um, maybe some of you are dabbling with destructive forces. It will destroy you. That's the goal of the enemy. The goal of the enemy is to help me out still, kill, and what? Destroy. So the objective against you is destruction. And what, what happens with the destructive fathers is they, become, they end up destroying themselves, and they'll definitely destroy their family, their marriage. Um, they can struggle oftentimes with anger or outbursts. The Bible says, don't even let the enemy get a foothold into all that. I want to share with you a testimonial story of a man who was very, very destructive in our church, um, giving in to drugs, alcohol, and was destroying his life. And then God showed up with his great grace. Watch this. I've had struggles with alcohol and drugs most of my life. When I grew up, I, I did drugs and alcohol at a, at a young age. Started when I was 15. When I was in the midst of my disease of alcoholism and, and addiction to drugs, I had struggled with the fact that I didn't know how to get help. I was going to church. I was doing what I was supposed to do and, and I, I couldn't stop. I still couldn't quit. I was trying on my own will, in my own way, and that wasn't, that wasn't working. So, me hurting people, my loved ones, my family, anyone that I could think of was in love and giving me love, I was hurting and harming them. And I did not want that to happen anymore. And that's where, that's where I came to the point to where I, the only thing that I know of to stop this pain for me and for the ones that I'm hurting was to have a, to commit suicide. On August 17th of 2015, I drove into the desert and decided that this was gonna be the way that I can handle my pain and make it disappear was to commit suicide. I got a phone call from Pastor Jonathan. I ignored so many phone calls that day. And God intervened and said that, you're gonna answer this phone, Todd. So I did. And I've been sober ever since. August 20th will be eight years. I realized that that day that God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. The church saved my life, really did. Jesus and the church here, Pastor Ryan, him knowing how the struggle that I had was real and how he helped out. And that brought up Fathers in the Field. And I was curious as to what it was. It's a program for men to step up and reach out to these fatherless boys to where they've got a field buddy. And a field buddy goes with the mentor father and they get mentored about life situations, life issues. I signed up for it, and on that day, April 17th, I was paired with Elijah. In the Fathers in the Field program, they gave me, 
It gave me a new perspective of life. It gave me a job, and that job helps me learn things about what to do during a job. And I learned a lot of stuff through this. And not only did this, uh, this program give me a job, it gave me a mentor father. It just gave me a missing spot in my life that I never knew that I needed. I'm blessed so in so many ways. I know that Elijah is blessed as well. I can tell by the way he's maturing. I can tell by the way his attitude, he's growing and he's getting stronger in the faith of the Lord. It's what God has called me to do, is to serve like Jesus. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do this with, with each other. I consider Elijah a huge part of my family, of my heart. I am so grateful. I'm so proud to be a member of this North Valley community. And I am so glad that I'm with North Valley Church. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the mighty message of grace, Lord, that you can redeem, you can restore. Lord, when the enemy sets a plan to kill and steal and destroy, thank you that, Lord, you can take those plans and you can work them for good. Father, I pray for every man in this room that aspires to be a father or is a father or grandfather. Might they openly and honestly assess their own lives and say what is good and what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, and choose to be the right kind of dad. Father, we thank you for your grace and your intervening power of the Holy Spirit and just pray for just in our remaining time, God, that we just connect with you through communion, through giving, um, through worship and singing. And I pray, Father, just for an overwhelming sense of peace and gratefulness, Lord, that you are a forgiving God. You're an abounding with love and steadfastness over our lives. So, Father, where there's unfaithfulness, thank you that you are faithful where things have been made wrong by our own doing, thank you that you can make them right. And for those that have never placed their faith in Christ, might today be the day you just simply acknowledge in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Acknowledge your sin, your need, and you confess him, that he is your Lord and Savior. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for the work of what you're doing in our church. What a joy to see. What a joy. Pray for more men and uh, women to continue to place their faith in you, grow in this church, and we do a great deal of good for the glory of God and for the good of families and people in this community. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.